This is Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael on 1620 The Zone and the 1620 The Zone mobile app. Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael is a production of Justin Michael Sports, LLC. Hello, everybody. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. I am Michael Scott, and I am back. After a week vacay, Justin, it was kind of an exciting time for me. And and alongside me, as always, the nation's number one handicapper, Mr. Justin Michael. How are you today, my friend? Well, I'm good, and I'm very happy that you're back. Congratulations. Your horse ran really nice, a nice, beautiful second. Very so impressive. I know you're happy there, and well-deserving, yeah. so I'm happy. Um, sounds like he came back nice and clean, and everything's good. Everything is good so far. Keep your fingers crossed, and hopefully we can keep moving him in the right direction. All right. Well, I'm happy that you're back. Glad that you're back, and today I'm looking forward to the show. You bet. Okay, Just last weekend, uh, I did stay attuned here. We had some exciting games going on. My gosh, Penn State knocks off Ohio State. What do you want to cover? You know, we'll just kind of trickle our way down, and we'll talk about a couple things. The first one we'll talk about is we can kind of talk about the big one, which would be Penn State moving to 5-2 and on the year straight up, 3-1 and in the Big Ten. Ohio State now goes 6-1, and 3-1 and in the Big Ten. Penn State wins 24-21. Uh, it was a big game for Penn State, obviously. And James Franklin, uh, in year number three, has kind of took some heat. Um, a lot of people have kind of been down on them. I know some of my VIP members know this. I've played them um, the last couple of years. You know, I, a couple of things that I like, and, and what's kind of crazy about Penn State is last year they were a defensive team. Um, their defensive front, um, obviously led by Carl Nassif, um, Anthony Johnston was in there, Zettel was in there. They had three guys going to the NFL, and they really, uh, it was a defensive team, obviously. Hackenberg was already there with Bill O'Brien, so... Franklin at Vanderbilt, listen, you don't win nine games in the SEC at Vandy. Um, and he's also likes a dual-threat quarterback. I really like McSorley. I really do. Um, he also went in and brought in a new offensive coordinator, um, a brand-new defensive coordinator to kind of say, okay, I put my two years in here with Hackenberg. Um, kind of a weird spot for everybody. And then in year number three, believe it or not, I mean, yeah, some of the recruits, but he finally gets to kind of have his style of football. And again, he had a dual-threat kind of quarterback, up-tempo offense. Well, that's not Hackenberg. And so Penn State now on offense is ahead of, obviously, their defense. And now now you can kind of translate a couple things on offense. You can trickle that over to the defensive side. So obviously uh, their defense to me is average, but their offense is really good. And Saquon Barkley is a very good tailback, uh, very elite. They have very good um, wide receivers. So this was a very impressive win. They obviously come back. There were some kind of weird plays on special teams and different things. I thought JT Barrett, his numbers were okay, 28 for 43, 245 and a touchdown. He looked a little off to me, a little slow. Um, didn't have that uh, step with his feet when he took off with his legs. Uh, I remember a couple years ago, he, he just looked like a different gear. Um, I know it was kind of rainy. Um, obviously, there were some couple things going on with the weather conditions. But overall, um, you know, it was a very impressive overall win. And again, I think people, obviously, when you have five stars at Ohio State and the recruiting is so good and take nothing away from them. But if you look in the NFL, and first we'll talk about Elliott, he's in a great spot with the offensive line, but that's an elite talent. Joey Bosa has played in four games. I think he has like five or six sacks. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks really, really good. Eli Apple was number 10 overall in the first round of cornerback. Darren Lee was in there a first rounder. That's really, really hard. And I'm not saying they don't have players and they're not a very good football team. But when you lose 
the Boses of the world, the Elliots of the world, just those two alone. One anchor on defense on the defensive front, the other anchor at tailback. Uh, you look at Weber in there, not nearly the same as Elliott. Ohio State really likes to play that zone read and get their running backs rolling. Um, so you can see a little bit of a drop-off there, and I just think a lot was on JT Barrett. Um, okay numbers, um, but was not, you know, obviously to the next level. And also they've had back-to-back road at Wisconsin, emotional win. They travel then to Penn State, play another primetime game, and eventually it just kind of caught up to them. But overall, tip your cap to Penn State and James Franklin. Happy for him. He took a lot of heat, and uh, good for him for moving in the right direction and believing what he needs to do is the right thing for him, and he didn't listen to everybody else. He stayed the course. I appreciate guys like that. Absolutely, Justin, and, and, um, and agreeing with you there totally. Um, my gosh, um, Penn State uh, definitely looks like they're on the improve in, in Ohio State. It's tough to replace guys when you get when you get these guys that are all world like that. I mean, I know you got a lot of talent coming in, but my heavens. Yeah, it, exactly. It is very tough. And again, it was an emotional game, and so that was a very good one. Moving along, I talked about this on last week's show, Alabama, Texas A&M, 1 versus 6. I just... Um, it's amazing. And I know, I think three or four years ago, we were talking about this, but I think if it's really amazing. We just talked about losing a couple players at Ohio State, and we know they're recruiting how good it is. We know Alabama's every year is basically number one. But what they're doing right now on the defensive front, I thought last year, okay, last year with Jaron Reed um, and having Reggie Raglan um, and having uh, Ashawn Robinson, having all of those playmakers. I thought, wow. Remember going in the draft, they thought that's like the best D-line they've ever had. They're actually probably better now. Stat-wise, they're like better now. Yeah. I mean, they are absolutely – Jonathan Allen, Payne's in there. I mean, the linebackers, Williams and Anderson, the back end, Pumphrey. Eddie Jackson finally goes down, which is really sad. But, I mean, they are absolutely loaded. These guys get the ball, and they're just swarmed. Um, and it all sets up with the running the football, Jalen Hurts, you know, he goes 15 for 25. He's really a pretty much a running quarterback. Works on his throws. Most people don't know this, and it, and it kind of works for his advantage. And in high school, he's also, he's a first of all, he's a true freshman. And think about that, Alabama, a true freshman. Keep in mind, he went in there and beat out upperclassmen that were all five stars. Some have already transferred. He was like uh, an Olympic powerlifter in high school and set records in that area for his lower half. You watch how he runs, and he's a physical, physical guy. Um, and then they play off of that. They get him out with the bootleg. On the outside, they have Ridley. They have Stewart, O.J. Howard, a great tight end that will be in the NFL. They kind of work three backs with Harris, Scarborough, Jacobs. Offensive line is rock solid. Left tackle Robinson has got first round written all over him. It's just amazing what they do. Already this season, I believe, after eight games, they have 11 or I think 12, I think it's 12, defensive slash special team touchdowns already this year. With that being said, on defense, that's just pressure. That's creating, that's just constantly getting after the quarterback, hard hitting, being physical. That's what creates the turnovers. Um, last week, they got after it in the backfield. They about took it away from the quarterback. There goes the ball. They pick it up. He takes it to the house. And the next thing you know, here comes the run. Um, so, what they're doing is it's amazing. You look at Hertz numbers passing, very average at best, but they're running the football team. They will eventually go deep after they've kind of hit you, hit you, hit you with the run. And the next thing you know, there's the deep ball to Ridley um, or Howard rolls out from the backfield as a tight end. There's so many ways they can beat you, but make no mistake, it starts with the defensive front and it ends there. They are just phenomenal at what they do. Everybody was in love with Kirby Smart. I talked about on the show. 
I'm a little bit nervous about him. Um, he had some games where they were a little bit, you know, suspect. So I didn't see them really dropping a beat there. Nick Saban's a defensive guy. So to me, it just the beat continues on. And right now they clearly have to be number one for everybody. Long ways to go. But right now at this point with what they've done and who they're playing, you know, top 10 teams and they're just winning and really winning convincingly. It's just really impressive. It is, and, and from an outsider, you know, you just watch them play. I, you swear that you're looking at a, at a miniature NFL team. I mean, these guys are just stacked. On the defensive front, again, when you go back and look in every NFL draft, it's just amazing, and you look and you go, okay, well, there's going to be a little bit of a letdown. I mean, how do you replace those kind of guys? And then the next year comes, and someone you think is even better than last year. They just keep moving them along on the defensive front, 6'3", 300 pounds, and they can all run. Amazing at what he does with Nick Saban. We're up against it. When we come back, we'll touch into the NFL. You're listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. Again, you are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael, the nation's number one handicapper. You can always go to justinmichaelsports.com and become a VIP member. You can give Justin a call, 402-513-3232. You can follow him on Twitter at JustinMWins247. Okay, just uh, NFL um, week seven, I think, was last week. Okay, Um, you know, there's been some things you've been calling, and uh, why don't you lead us down that road? Okay, here we go. Let's kind of glance over a couple things. We'll see where it takes us. First, we're going to start off on way back on Thursday, October 20th. Packers win 26-10. I go through all the games, watch them all. Um, breaking it down, basically, Green Bay was just fine. There was nothing great. Um, they were actually, at the halftime, it was 6-3 Green Bay, and Brian Hoyer was just average at best, like he kind of always is, and then he goes down. So now they have to bring in Matt Barkley, who is nothing more than a 3 or 4 on the depth charts, and then the game kind of got out of control at 26-10. So there was really nothing there. Chicago slides to 1-6, and six, had some injuries, but... You know, you can see Adam Gase, the offensive coordinator who left last year to become the, the coach at Miami. Um, if Until they get a quarterback, and it's not with Jay Cutler, it's not with Hoyer, it's not with Barkley, they got to find a quarterback. Um, defensively, John Fox likes to run the football. I'm not really in love with Howard, the rookie. Some people are out of, out of Indiana. Um, Langford, who knows yet. Um, Kevin White hasn't lived up to the billing. Yes, he's been injured, but when he has been in there, I don't know, okay. Um, they let go Bennett, who's doing good in New England. Zach Miller's been okay in that position. But when I look at that team, offensive line on the inside, they're fine. Tackles are weak. They're more of a defensive team, and the defense to me is just average. They have a lot of holes they have to fix. But for number one for me, it's the quarterback position. Um, you're spending big money on Jay Cutler, and I think everybody knows how I feel about Jay Cutler. So moving on, Green Bay wins 26-10. Green Bay goes 4-2. Chicago 1-6, the early game last Sunday over in London. The Giants win a close one, 17-10. Kind of talked about that on my preview show a little bit. Giants spent a lot of money on defense. Defensively, obviously, they're much, much improved. Last year, they ranked as one of the worst in the NFL all time. Jenkins has played good at the corner. Vernon, the pass rush guy. Uh, Snack Harris on the inside. So Eli Apple's kind of getting trinkled in there a little bit. So overall, New York's doing very well in, on the defensive side. Offensively, to me, they've took a step back a little bit. I'm not in love with the running back position again. It's just way too much throw. They have the weapons on the outside. I'd like to see them in the offseason really focus and get a number one back. 
I think that can take them from on offense to being pretty good to really good, and it just helps the defense. So obviously moving forward, I'd like to see more of a ground game. I don't see it at the running back position on their roster. Look for that next year to be a top priority for the New York Giants, finding a running back. Kansas City wins 27-21 over the Saints. A very good game. Um, kind of started off a little bit slow, then picked up some steam. Kansas City does it again like usual, kind of playing defense, um, kind of hitting Kelsey, Macklin, uh, running their football. They have three tailbacks. Not everyone's talked about Jamal Charles, but they have West in there. They have Ware in there, does a really good job. They have three tailbacks. Offensively, their total offense, they're like 27-28, so it's still kind of dink and dunk, dink and dunk. That's what Alex Smith always is. Don't create any turnovers. Let the defense get after it. It's going to result into a lot of wins. The problem is for me is if they do make the playoffs kind of like last year, they're going to have to hit a team where Alex Smith's going to have to take over. You can only win so many games kind of playing handcuffed and kind of conservative. Eventually, you got to make the big throw. you got to make the big play. That's why you see Big Ben. That's why you see Brady, Russell Wilson, Rodgers, those type of guys. I still have never been a huge fan of Alex Smith, but they move on 4-2 Kansas City. Defense, special teams, running the football. The Colts win in Tennessee 34-26. Both teams really couldn't stop anybody. Um, I really, really was surprised on how Indy scored so many with Tennessee being kind of a top-10 defense. Obviously not having Dorsett, not having Allen, not having Muncrief. There's your two, three, and four and number one tight end. The running back position is old there, but Tennessee was in a must-win coming off at a very emotional loss at Houston, up 14 with about three minutes left. I was very surprised that they go on the road and pull out the victory, Um, especially you had all the injuries, the emotional letdown. Typically when that happens, those teams struggle. They do pull out the win 34-26. Both teams slide 3-4. Philadelphia wins 21-10. They go to 4-2 on the year. Minnesota goes to 5-1. Philly was a three-point dog. They win kind of with special teams, kind of some different things. Minnesota, it finally kind of caught up to them a little bit. They had the bye week. They are playing good, took a week off. Now they slide into Philadelphia. Everyone's talked about Carson Wentz, and I do like Carson Wentz a lot, but I talked about this three weeks ago. To me, the number one key why Philly is 4-2 is their defense. Jim Schwartz has done a great job. Some guys are not supposed to be head coaches, but they're great D coordinators. Jim Schwartz has had the back end, especially Malcolm Jenkins, They have Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham's picked up his game. Philadelphia's defense and special teams has been rock solid. Very good job. Jim Schwartz, again, if he keeps moving this in the right direction, he'll get looked at again as another possible head coach. I'd like to see him stay as a D coordinator and just specialize in the area where I think he's really, really good. Remember, he was good in Buffalo for the one year. Now he slides to Philly, took a year off. He looks very impressive there. Cincinnati wins 31-17. Don't want to glance much into this. They roll over Cleveland. Kessler gets injured again. Cleveland still plays kind of feisty, but again, defense, they're ranked close to being dead last. So many holes there. Hugh Jackson, though, keeps them competitive, finds some kind of some neat plays to kind of move them in the right direction. But again, not enough talent. They slide 0-7. Cincy in a must-win goes 3-4. A very good game. Detroit wins 20-17 over Washington. Both teams go 4-3. Matt Stafford drives down the field late and wins late and beats the Washington Redskins. One thing was impressive with Detroit, with no Abdullah, no Riddick, two very good backs. Their wide receiver position, the pickup of Anquan Bolden, the ageless wonder, all he does is catch big-time plays, big-time touchdowns, guy has been amazing what a what amazing NFL career he's been doing it forever 
And you sprinkle in Tate, Marvin Jones, Ibram. Their offensive line is getting a little bit better. But on the outside, the wide receiver position, Detroit is absolutely loaded. Everybody was worried about Calvin Johnson, how they're going to replace that. They brought in Marvin Jones. He's been very good. Golden Tate's great across the middle. And when you need a when you need a third and seven, just look for number 80, Anquan Bolden. He's been rock solid. Oakland Raiders go into Jacksonville cross-country early game, 33-16. If you look at them on the road, they're really good. They just need to play all their games on the road. They slay 5-2 for the year. They turn around and go into Jacksonville. Another turnover game for Blake Bortles. Leads the NFL constantly, always in the top part of the NFL for turnovers. He's got to really work on that. Um, you know, some say maybe should have been like a late or early second round, not third overall. We'll have to see about that. Remember, he played at Central Florida. I think some of this, the sales for the tickets and kind of keeping a Florida guy down there. But, you know, you can have all the pieces. You know, we went with Ramsey. We took Matt. We got other defensive guys. We spent the money. We have Hearns. We have Robinson. But the quarterback, if you constantly keep throwing for 300, but two or three interceptions, you're not going to go anywhere. So, again, I'd like to see them get more running the football, and Blake Bortles has got to quit turning the football over. Miami wins 28-25. They're starting to make a little bit of a run. Jay Ajayi comes out of Boise State last year, kind of injury-prone, didn't really play much, and now the last two games he's ripped off over 200 yards back-to-back games. You look at Miami on the offensive front, Brandon Albert, first-round pick. Laramie Tunsil thought number one overall until the draft day scandal. You look at James, the right guard on the other side, or right tackle, there's three first-rounders, and then Pouncey, the center. That's four first-rounders on the offensive line for the Miami Dolphins. Offensively, they're very good. Defensively, they got to hang on a little bit. They lost their all-pro safety on the back end. But, man, if they can really, really cut down Tannehill rather than throw 45 times, maybe get into 30, run the football, they're very good on offense. Defense, they're average. But that offensive line is really getting it done for Miami. When we come back, we will get into today's action in college football. You're listening to Tackling the Odds. I am Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. Again, you are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael, the nation's number one handicapper. Always give Justin a call at 402-513-3232. Okay, Justin, a lot of times you break down games here coming up today, and I think today we're going to do the old switcherooey. And um, why don't you help us out on, on some things we were kind of talking at break here a little bit about. Well, I think it's a good time at this time of the year to kind of sit back. In college football, we're basically pretty much right at halfway, maybe a smidge ahead. NFL, we have one more week, and then we're caught up. So I think it's a good time to kind of sit back and kind of say, okay, where are we at with certain teams in coaching? Coaching is, is so huge in college football. So a couple of things that kind of glance over I want to talk about. Number one, I, let's talk about LSU a little bit. So Les Miles is there. He wins a national championship, really likes to run the football. A lot of NFL talent kind of run the football, play defense. Well, now Ed Orgeron comes in, and they're winning football games. A couple of things to make a note of that. Sometimes... Um, when Ed comes in, you know, he did that at USC where I think he went 7-1, and one, um, and now he comes in here to LSU. The biggest thing with LSU is they have very good players on the outside with Dupree and Doral, um, and they're doing more up-tempo. They're finally utilizing a little bit of their weapons on the outside. I like to run the football, and I like to play defense, but the one thing with Les was it was a little too predictable. Um, and if you go back and look, you know, their passing always ranked just basically about dead last. I like a little bit of a balance. You know, I like to be 60-40, maybe 70-30. He was almost like 90-10. 
Um, and so now the players are excited, and they can use those guys on the outside. So when you're watching LSU now, you know, Etling's getting a little more chance to go deep downfield. It breaks everybody up a little bit, and then here comes the run because it's not just run, 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 run. So you know, moving forward, I don't know how that's going to play out, um, but I do think it's unfair when guys come in and do some nice changes and say, okay, where's the pros and cons? He's obviously done that. They should give him a look. Like if LSU goes on a little bit of a run here and plays really, really good, um, sometimes the guy's there. You know, Dabo Sweeney did that at Clemson. He was the same guy that came in, and he was just that interim guy. Well, then all of a sudden they looked and said, he don't do too bad. Well, how's that turned out? So sometimes you have the guy there, and sometimes you have to take a look. Um, but what they're doing I do like because he's opening up the offense and he's not being so tight. Defensively with Dave Aranda, they have players there. I love Key, the D end. Um, he is all world. I mean, he looks like a sprinter out there. Um, so you can the team's starting to get excited again. They just needed some new change, new blood in there, um, and that's been kind of refreshing. A couple other ones that I do want to talk a little bit about is is the big topic is now is they're saying supposedly, and a lot of people are saying this from a lot of different places, that possibly it's a done deal that Tom Herman leaves Houston and goes and takes over for Texas. Um, you know, some mixed emotions a little bit about that because, again, Texas plays really close to K-State. They come back. I really like Foreman. Their tailback is straight NFL. Um, they have some weapons. I like their young quarterback. Um, defensively, they do have some holes a little bit. I think it's all kind of mixed in a little bit, the bag. But be careful with Tom Herman. He comes into Houston. Houston had a good program going in there. Um, he played kind of a soft schedule. They got on a little bit of a run. Um, and I think everybody's kind of jumping to the conclusion that this Tom Herman's going to be the big deal and he's going to win all these games. They're talking about the bowl game last year against Florida State. Florida State could care less to be in that game. Um, so, you know, look at Oklahoma. I mean, Oklahoma this year's defensive, they can't stop anybody. So I'm a little bit concerned when everybody just assumes that Tom Herman's going to be the next big deal, and sometimes people get glued into him. Um, I get that he's down there, probably has really good recruiting right now, um, and so they think that's kind of the new hot the guy. Um, but I need to see a lot more, and especially if I'm Texas and then I'm going to change again, I would want to go with someone that I think for sure can do it like a slam dunk. It's not a slam dunk on Tom Herman. I think everyone needs to pump the brakes a little bit on him. I think he's getting overblown a ton. I don't think he's bad. I think he's good. But I need to see a little more body of work. Um, we're just getting, like, so into that. And I keep hearing, oh, they beat Florida State. Florida State could care less about that game. This year they played Oklahoma. It was a home game in Houston. Yeah. So wh what game, what has he really done that's, like, wowed you? Um, good job, but it's not, like, amazing to me. I think they need to pump the brakes a little bit. I want to see how the rest of the season goes for Texas. They've had some close games. Um, and, again, they fought right back against K-State. Not saying they shouldn't have beat K-State with their talent. Um, but before I go make another switch like that and change everything around again, i got to make sure I have a home run. So that's something that I see right there, obviously. Um, a couple other things that I'm kind of noticing. Obviously, in Notre Dame with Brian Kelly, you know, sometimes you just have a year where you just have a dip year. The injuries... Um, certain things just happen for you. They, everything like you part, try to pull goes against you. It's kind of like when you're investing, you get a backdoor cover or you get a fumble or a turnover and you get this and you feel like, wow, nothing's going my way. Sometimes that just happens. And I think if you look at the overall body of work, the talent that Brian Kelly's brought in there, um, he's always done a good job. His track record's been rock solid. Um, with him, it's just let's not make a quick decision on the D coordinator. Let's sit back. Let's really kind of absorb everything 
and let's go get, find a guy that can fit this program and go get the best D coordinator, not make a really, really rational, quick decision to make everybody happy. Yep. Get through the season, take the lumps, let everybody jump on top of you and say, okay, chalk the year up and move on. You know, I always kind of say this, and I know you feel the same way. There's only one national championship winner. Absolutely. So at the end of the year, I know people say, well, you went 10-2. and two. We're not going to remember that. No. What we remember last year is Alabama won the national championship. Mm -hmm. Deshaun Watson played great, but you're never going to remember Clemson winning that national championship game. At the end of the year, it's about wins and losses and who holds the trophy. Kind of like that in the NFL. Everybody says, Tony Romo, Tony Romo. But what do you think of a Tony Romo? Always finding a way to screw up in the big moment. Correct? Absolutely. So when you sit back and you look at this, again, it's one down year. It's not the end of the world. We know offensively he's very good. He's had a very good recruiting classes. It's still Notre Dame. They'll be just fine. So for me, focus on the D coordinator position and go on from there. A couple things too that I think that it's kind of that you're kind of seeing around a little bit. And you see these coaches moving in the right direction like Washington and taking nothing away from Washington because Chris Peterson is a very good coach. You're number three. They're very young, good quarterback, good defense, just a good coach. So I'm not beating up on him. But what I will say is the Pac-12 is very, very weak. It's just weak. Again, I talked about this last week. You, to me, I've got to find who do you play? Who do you really, really play? Let's go down the Pac-12. USC, down, transition, they're all over the place. Utah, top 25 team, hanging around 25. Run the football, play defense, just okay. Um, California, score 70, give up 90. Washington State, okay. Um, you know, Arizona, Arizona State, they're down. I mean, nothing great there. Score again, give up, same, same thing going on. So when I look at the Pac-12, Oregon's down. We talked about that with the coaching. And speaking of that, in a perfect world, I think Chip Kelly, and I've said this from day one, needs to get out of the NFL. He needs to go back to Oregon. Yeah, you've been That's, saying that. I've been saying it forever. It's a perfect fit for him. He's a, he's a West Coast guy. He likes all that fast, up-tempo. Why go to the NFL? That doesn't work. It does not work. It doesn't fit him. The players, the how he, they don't look at him a certain way. He can get more out of the younger kids more flashy, they'll listen to you more, um, they're in the unis and all that kind of thing. They don't do that in the NFL. He, they say he's kind of like a drill. When I look at him on the sidelines, he looks lost in the NFL, completely lost. Like when Spurrier tried it, go back to college. He went back, he fell with Redskins, he goes back to South Carolina. They had nine, ten wins in a row for like three or four years. That's where they belong. Again, like Jim Schwartz, stay as a D coordinator. If Oregon stays and sits if that does open, I could say Chip saying, you know what, I tried this. And a lot of people say, I heard this from like so many things when I, when I preview and listen to different things. He kind of has one of those guys that gets bullheaded, like I can make this move, I can do this. But I think eventually reality is going to set in saying, you know what, if it fits back right, I can go back to where I was from, I probably need to do that. I think he thought that he conquered college football. He came in, he did all these changes. Well, I can just go anywhere and do whatever I want to do. It just doesn't work. Um, and so again, I know it's your number one in San Fran. Look at Philly, and then now turn around and look at San Fran. Um, players typically are, aren't in love with being around him, so he just really needs to go back to college football. I think sometimes, especially in the investing world, we talk about matchups and games and trends. The coaching is so huge. When we come back, we'll dive in a little NFL. We'll talk a little coaching. We'll talk about all of it. You're listening to Tackling the Odds.
with Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. You are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael, the nation's number one handicapper. You can always go to justinmichaelsports.com and become a VIP member for just $24.99 per week. Okay, Justin, we're just about here, or are we here at the halfway point in NFL? We got one more week, and we're basically caught up. Most teams have seven uh, okay. games, so obviously there's 16. And I thought today was a great point to kind of go over a couple things, kind of where we're at, basically at the halfway point, kind of assess everything, kind of go over. So obviously we'll start off here in the AFC East. New England goes 6-1. and one. Um, For most people, they probably have to be number one overall in your your power rankings for a team. I mean, offensively, I feel like when they're clicking, they can score as many as they want. Um, the two tight ends. Um, and don't forget about Amendola, obviously Edelman up there, Hogan, um, just so many things. Defensive, they get some turnovers. Um, they kind of bend, don't break. Um, they kind of know what they are. Coaching, obviously, is all world. And then everybody else is kind of fighting for second, um, most likely, obviously, with the quarterback situation for the Jets, probably looking at Buffalo, Miami. Um, and obviously, if they play well, maybe they can catch a wild card. In the AFC North, Pittsburgh's up there at 4-3, but then right behind them is Baltimore and Cincinnati at 3-4. and four. So a lot of ways to go. You know, Pittsburgh, again, still has to get better on the back end. They just need to stay healthy. Um, Baltimore is in every game to the end. Um, Cincy, obviously, still trying to find a way to replace um, Sanu and Jones. I talk about that every week. Eifert's been banged up. He finally got back last week slowly. Um, so we'll see about that. Um, I could see probably the winner in there being like 10-6. and six. Um, Good, but I don't know how good. Uh, the AFC South, obviously, with Houston, Indy, and Tennessee. Uh, Jacksonville at 2-4. It's still wide open. You know, when I kind of glance over that South, you know, I talk about this. I've been on it for well over a year. Uh, I'm just not high on Osweiler at all. Um, Indy, you know, has a lot of flaws, um, especially their defense, just overall line play, running back. Um, Tennessee still trying to find a way to have weapons. Jacksonville uh, creates a lot of turnovers. So really the AFC South, um, obviously there's not much there. And then to me where it's kind of stacked is the AFC West. I mean, dead last right now is San Diego 3-4, and four, and they can score with anybody. Yeah. Uh, and they've had injuries everywhere. You know, Justin, they look a lot better. Well, one I... of the best coachings that I've seen done in a long time. Again, here's another coordinator, Ken Wisenhut has proven not to be a head coach. It just doesn't fit him. But you let him do some play calling, and you look at his numbers. Remember when San Diego went to the playoffs a couple years ago and they're moving the ball? He was the OC. Because of that success, he got the head coaching job in Tennessee. He gets fired. Where does he go? Back home. Does very well. Remember, no number one wide receiver in Keenan Adel. Tyrell Williams has been all world there wide receiver. Um, no Danny Woodhead. Uh, their number, their number one and number two cornerbacks, both starting cornerbacks, Verrett and Flowers are gone. Their captain linebacker Teo is out. Their IR is ridiculous, and they constantly are in every game. And they have an older quarterback. And Philip Rivers is just the mechanics will just make you about literally say I can't watch it. Yeah. But you know what? That ball is there. It right. reminds you a lot of Jim Furyk in golf. Close your eyes, and then when he hits it, look up, and it'll be about 10 feet. Nothing you want to have your any of your kids go out and try to be the same swing. But you know what? They do it over and over and over, and they're very accurate. This year, Jim Furyk shot a 59. So incredible 
uh, what Rivers has done. Kansas City is a scary team because they run the ball and play defense. Denver, we know about that defense. And Oakland is winning games, and they have a young talent and a good coach. So when I look, you have the toughest division is clearly the AFC West because all four, Oakland, Denver, Kansas City, San Diego, can all play. Now, now, looking at that, was was that somewhat of a surprise to you? Or? No, because in the beginning of the year, you can even go back to Justin Michael Sports. You can click on preseason thoughts. I said Oakland's going to be good. Denver, I was not worried about the quarterback. Kansas City has everybody. And San Diego, they they're, look, look at their first-round picks. Joey Bosa, is going to be, who I know you love, is going to be all-world. The tight end, Hunter Henry, is learning from Gates, and he looks all world. So they've hit the first two picks, and now Gordon looks like the first round pick that they should that they all were hoping for. He's got his buddy Watt, the fullback from Wisconsin. So they look completely different, and this would be scary if they had everybody. You throw in a guy like Danny Woodhead and Keenan Allen on top of that, that offense would be possibly well. Right now they're top three in total offense. They'd be possibly number one. Mm-hmm. So again, anybody in the AFC West is solid. Um, but I would say number one, clearly number one, and I mean clearly number one is New England, and then everyone else trickles down. So like in the AFC East, and again, this is nothing about game to game, but it's kind of fun to go over. I get asked this a lot. You know, Buffalo, Miami, we'll see, could possibly be wild card. You know, Pittsburgh, I know everyone loves them on offense, but they got some holes on defense. Baltimore's still not the same. Since he lost too much for me, I don't like anybody in the South. And then in the West, let's see how that develops. But to me, there's a gap from number one down to number two. So as you look at the, is there anybody in the AFC there that, that you're a little disappointed in so far? Um, You know, not really, because I didn't believe in the Jets because some people had them up there. They're just too old. Um, they're getting too old in certain spots. Um, what about Baltimore? No, they're three and four. Yep. And they've lost every game by like three. They could easily be, believe it or not, there hasn't been one game they've been blown out. Every game comes down in the last two minutes of Baltimore. Um, I told you about Cincy the beginning of the year. That's not a surprise for me. Um, just the South. And so no, no one really in the AFC, everybody's kind of stacking up where I think they're at. Um, but right now, barring an injury today, there's clearly a number one team and that's New England. And I think the AFC is a little down. I think that's a fun, there's some fun teams, but the Raiders defense got to get better. Denver at times gets a little stale for me. Kansas City, two dink and dunk. San Diego's got to get better on defense. Anybody in the South, I can tell you 100 uh, cons. The AFC North, people just get in love with Pittsburgh. Yeah, they score, but they can give up a ton on the back end. New England's kind of like middle-of-the-road defense, create turnovers, and offensively, it's just scary. And they have their old line coach back. Sliding over to the NFC, Dallas is 5-1. and one. This is a really, really surprising, um, not surprising, a very kind of no one talks about, but a good division in the NFC East. Dallas got a lot of playmakers. Philly's got a good defense and wins. Washington last year represented has a good offense. Giants have a defense now. There's four right there in the NFC East. And when I go through the NFC, it's clearly better to me than the AFC. Those four right there can all play with anybody. The top two in the NFC North, the Vikings, Green Bay. Detroit's four and three. So I look at Minnesota Green Bay, look at that organization, coaching, drafting, rock solid. The NFC South to me, this is going to sound crazy, but Carolina has the ability, because Carolina is a team like this, at 1-5 and five, to come back and take that division. Because you know what? Atlanta, who everyone loves, is 4-3, and three, and that's leading. Carolina is 1-5. and five. 
We have a long way to go. Absolutely. And when you have Cam, the old MVP, and that defense gets some things and get back, you know, they've been banged up with Jonathan Stewart. That division, to me, is still wide open. And the NFC South, you have Seattle, Arizona, and then it's a drop-off from the Rams, and then another drop-off down to the Niners. So as I kind of glance over, I think anybody in the NFC, the NFC East is still wide open. It's a two-horse race. I know Detroit's 4-3. and three. It's Minnesota, Green Bay. The South, both Souths, AFC South, NFC South, down. Your heavyweights are in the NFC West. I mean, look at that game you just saw. I mean, the tie game with Seattle, Arizona. I mean, look at those players defensively. I mean, they're out there. They know each other. I knew they are going to get pumped up for that. I talked about that game. I mean, to me, you can just flip a coin because it was one of those games where Arizona wanted to prove that they belonged. They won that division last year. And Seattle saying, no, 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 no. We had some good kicking in that game, didn't we? Yeah, it was absolutely awful. So, you know, as you go back and you look at this, to me, when I look at the AFC, we have New England number one, and then it drops. Now, when I look in the NFC, you know, Dallas is 5-1, and one, but how long can that offensive or defensive line and where they're at on defense hang in there? Minnesota, so, I mean, they're basically like dead last with rushing, and their offense is so bad that it's just so much defense. Uh, who knows when Lacey comes back, if he does come back this year. Um, so those are two teams that are up there. Seattle, their offensive line is average at best. Um, Arizona, I don't believe in Carson Palmer. So overall, I think the NFC is stacked, but I don't have a number one in there because I feel like Dallas is on this kind of this emotional high. And then I kind of go down to Minnesota and it's like, you just saw last week, you know, they, they brought in Treadwell, number one. I pulled him up. I don't even know if he has a receiving yard this year. So I don't know what's going on with Treadwell, if he doesn't know the playbook or they're wanting to go slow or take their time with him, but he's not in there. Um, Green Bay at times, um, you know, they just, I don't know, they seem a little off. The South we talked about. And then, I, again, you look at Seattle and you really dive in their offensive line. Everything they've got on the outside and on defense and Russell Wilson, but there's like nothing involved. Tom Cable has a really tough job. You know, people are very high on him in the NFL and offensive line. That guy has, like, no help. It reminds me of Rob Marinelli on the D-line coach with Dallas. It's like, we think you're so good that you just get whatever and then make it work. So I don't have a number one overall in the NFC. Um, I think that's got to play out. But barring an injury, I think New England again. And isn't it amazing that every year you can just pencil them in? Um, and I know that people get tired of that, and I, I can understand some of that. But then the flip side of that is, is you're watching something amazing that when Belichick and Brady are done, we're going to go, remember that time when like every year they were there? <laughs> yeah. So at a certain time, it's kind of like you take for granted what you got. And then when it's gone, it's gone. And it's like, I mean, it's amazing to think about really where they're at. Because there's been years that you look out there and it's like, well, how is he doing this? The ball comes out so fast. Um, defensively, you look on their back end. I mean, they're finding guys sixth, seventh round that I talk about all the time. Um, and even investing-wise, they're covering almost every week. I mean, they cover almost every single week. And I know that and the lines are even inflated. It's like Alabama, New England. They're inflated, and they still cover. It should have been 14. It went up to 18. Alabama was 19. Um, New England got up to like seven, half, eight. They still cover. Close, but they cover. Um, so it's just one of those things that they consistently win week in, week out, and they put themselves in position every year um, to win a championship. We're up against the clock. When we come back, we'll put the finishing touches. You're listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael. Welcome back, everybody. Again, you are listening to Tackling the Odds with Justin Michael, the nation's number one handicapper. You can always give Justin a call at 
888-382-3232. Tell them you want to be a VIP member for just $24.99 per week. Okay, Jess, last segment, final segment. Um, we're going to put the finishing touches on this. Um, you know, one thing that caught me uh, this weekend here a little bit when when you were talking, and uh, I think it was in our third segment, you were talking about Coach Kelly and kind of giving him a piece of his mind about the AD. You know, he was a little disappointed, and, and I know you're a guy like this, and I know I am, and we know a lot of people like that. If you don't feel the love, it's kind of, um, you know, what do we feel? I mean, well, I, well, know. well. Listen, it, it, I can kind of translate this to what I do, and you know, it, it's the same kind of thing. And and I really can, you know, it's amazing to me that it's there's so many people out there that you know when you say, okay, you know, how are you basing all your numbers? It's a whole body of year. It's a whole body of work. You know, we're not even halfway through the football season, and everybody you know gets week to week, and they get caught up in all the emotions, and that's why people lose. And that's why you just don't have the success because no one has the patience and no one can keep the process. So, you know, again, it's kind of like when I handicap and everything, I'm talking about overall body of work. Don't talk to me about a week. Don't talk to me about a month. Talk to me about year in and year out where you're at. And people just get so caught up in that. And so, you know, it's the end of the world if, if you lose a game. It's the same thing with coaching. Now Kelly's bad. We got to get rid of Charlie Strong. We got to get rid of everybody. And after a while, it just gets to be ridiculous. And it's just like, you know what? You know, it's the same thing. Last year, Andy Reid, they should have fired him when they were 1-5. and five. Then they went 11 games. Oh, coach of the year. It's like, come yeah, on. Make your mind up. It's the same thing, though, what I have with my customers throughout the country. Every week, it's do or die and all that. It's like, come on. It's like, you know, it, it, again, for the hundredth time, it's overall body of work. Not week to week, not game to game. Again, you have to take the highs. You have to take the lows. So again, if you sat there and you played the football season and you say, well, I thought this would be better. Well, you jumped off ship and I went 34-2. and two. So look yourself in the mirror and say, whose fault's that? Your fault. So it's the same thing when you have a coach. It's the same deal. You can't, if, if you know who you are, then, you know, again, if someone, you like a coach, you like a player, you like my service, you got to go the whole, all the way through. You can't be a teeter-totter and every week jump ship, be on, be off, be on, be off. You don't get nowhere. You have to have consistency. Notre Dame here. I mean, let's take a look at Notre Dame real quick. They lose by by three to Texas in double overtime. Um, you lose to Michigan State only by eight. You lose to Duke by three. You lose to NC State in a driving rainstorm by seven, and that was a punt or a, a, a punt that went crazy. Stanford by seven. So find me a game they've been blown out. And oh, mm. by the way, at Texas, Michigan State, Stanford, and then now they turn on this week and have Miami. Yeah. I don't see any Division twos or anybody in there. I'm not saying I'm not saying that they're playing great. What I am saying is take a step back for a minute and say three and double overtime, three to Duke, seven by NC State, seven by Stanford. All these games, eight by Michigan State, they're all one score games. You know. So you can easily turn on and be seven and zero. Oh. You know, they had a lot so of So sometimes that. you just don't get breaks. It's like that investing. You don't get a backdoor cover, you get a fumble. Again, and you know, I'm having my moment, but it, it, these people they get caught up in week to week. It's like don't don't do me a favor. Don't go to justinmichaelsports.com if you're like that. Don't go to justinmichaelsports.com and don't listen to the show. Can't do you. Don't want to do you. And I hear you loud and clear. And you know too. I, I love my VIP members that truly get it. 
you know, to to go on from that, you know, just take take a look at last year in Lincoln. How many how many games did the Huskers lose? Really close. And but there was there was people get rid of him. It's already done and all that. And then here they teeter totter. You know what? I think this coaching's good. It's like wow, wow. We got to mark you down for the date and the time. Yeah. Anyways, we're up against the clock. Today was a lot of fun. I actually really enjoyed this. I had my moment. You had your moment. We're good to go. This was tackling the odds with Justin Michael. And remember, at justinmichaelsports.com, winning is everything.